I have an interesting observation. Let me just make note. It's only an observation. Uh, it is indirectly, though, tied into today's uh, teaching that we're looking at today. And that observation is this. Um, those who complain the most often pray to God the least. Maybe you've seen that observation before. But those who complain to others the most are rarely the ones who are praying to God the most. Now think about that for a minute. Uh, Of the people you are close to, of those that are in your circle of influence, are the ones who complain the most in your circle the ones that you know talk to God the most? And um, now those who complain to others, the reality is I, I don't believe they pray much. And, and and now, after all, if I need a prayer, think about this. If I if, and I was just thinking about this, if I need prayer, I'm not going to call up my buddy who I know is always complaining. He's going to be the last person I call. When that now there are outliers to this, and I'm not saying that this, and, uh, this doesn't mean that uh, if you don't play, pray much, you're a complainer. I'm not saying that. I'm not tying those dots together there. Okay, I'm just saying that those who complain to others rarely have a discipline of prayer. And I've observed this, not, I mean, mainly the reason I observed this is in my own life. I mean, I'm, I, I'm complaining, I, I, I complain more to others when I'm not praying to God. And that's just the connection I've seen. And I see it in other people's lives. The irony here is interesting that complaining and praying are very similar. They really are similar. You know, the, the, the differences between the two are who you're talking to and, secondly, how much trust or faith you have in God's power and plan. That's the difference. Now, this teaching, again, is not about complaining. However, it is about praying. And I felt led, though, to mention this today for some reason that I don't know about. <laughs> And, 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 and however, the, the reason, but there is a, a, maybe a reason in this, and maybe it's because the more faith that you have, think about this, the more faith you have, the less you will complain to others, and the more you will pray to God with others. The more faith you have, the less you'll complain to others, but when you're together with others, you're going to pray to God with others. See, those who are quick to complain to others about this or that are hesitant to pray with others in their need. People who complain to each other rarely change the spiritual landscape of a city. But people who pray to God with each other do. The church is not a group of people who complain to one another. The church is a different kind of people. The church is God's new humanity. The church... The church, the family of God, God's new humanity, who has the confidence in God to pray with one another about anything, is the church God uses to change the spiritual landscape of a city. We are God's family. And that changes everything. 
More on that in a moment. My name is Casey, and it is such an honor and a privilege to be together with you in the room. And with those of you online, we're so grateful to share this time together with you. If you're new with us and in the room, uh, you're in the room with us today, we have a gift for you. And right after today's service, if you'll make your way across the lobby, uh, go into our welcome center there, a host will be there. And that host would love to give you a gift for being with us. And they'd love to, in four minutes of your time, less than four minutes of your time, share with you four things about who we are as a church family. It's similar to the things, it's actually the things that we're talking about in this series. So boom, like you get the bonus uh, of being here today. Uh, For those of you that are new online, we have a gift for you if you're new with us. They're posting a link to a Connect card. Please fill out that Connect card and we'd love to send you a gift for being with us today. Now, Westside, will you let everyone that's watching online uh, and those that are new with us in the room, let them know how grateful we are to be together with them. Will you do that with me? Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So today we're in the fourth installment of this series that we've entitled, We Are God's Family. And the title of this is so important. The title of this is so important because this is our identity. This is who we are. And our, we've been talking about how our identity is so important because our identity is tied to our behaviors that create the life-giving culture that the church was created to have. We said it like this, that the the identity defines mission. Mission then drives our vision. Vision directs our behaviors and the behaviors that we share together. And this is the most important part. The behaviors we share together are what create the life-giving culture that the church has. So this has been our series, Big Idea. And actually, it's more than the series, Big Idea. It's, it's an identity statement. And so we've asked you in the last couple of weeks to say this out loud with us, not because we are trying to do anything else other than drive this into who we are as our identity. So I'm going to ask you to say this loud and prayer, proud if you're new with us. After all, nobody likes being left out, so join us, okay? Here we go. Online, we ask you to join us out loud, and here we go. We are God's family on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus to build up Christ-centered families by wrapping God's family around your family. Okay, now that we've done it, Let's say it, okay, like we mean it. This is the series big idea, but this is more than that. This is our identity statement, okay? Let's say it like we truly believe this. You ready? We are God's family on mission together, loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus to build up Christ-centered families by wrapping God's family around your family. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saying that. See, this is who we are. We are God's family. And we are on mission together. And our mission as a church is our definition of what a disciple is and who a disciple is. A disciple is loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and sharing Jesus. And what we are doing together is when we're together, we're building up Christ-centered families. We want to build up Christ-centered singles. We want to build up Christ-centered marriages. We want to build up Christ-centered parents, grandparents. We want to build you up to be a Christ-centered family that your faith is built on Christ and centered on Him. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to wrap God's family around you. In other words, we're going to love one another the way God through Christ has loved us. And over the last two weeks, we've been looking at these shared behaviors that we hold as a family of God, that if we do these behaviors together, that we will be loving Jesus, becoming like Jesus and sharing Jesus, that we will be able to wrap God's family around each other. In the first week, the first of the two behaviors, not the first week, it's week two, we talked about how we are gathering together, that we are loving Jesus by gathering together to love one another. 
That this is the reason we gather. This is the reason you're here today. Out of your demonstration of your love for Jesus, that we love one another. And then last week we talked about how we're becoming like Jesus by navigating Scripture to follow Jesus together. And today we're going to look at a third behavior that the church needs to share together. And this is the behavior that I believe in tandem with the other two behaviors. Because you can't do this without gathering together. You can't do this without Scripture navigating it. And in this, as we do this together, this will create the life-changing, powerful culture that the church is supposed to have but before we share that behavior there's another foundational truth that we need to remember and that foundational truth is this god is with us church we need to remember that god is with us This is what the narrative of this library of Scripture reveals to us. God coming into our world to be with His people and wanting to establish His people and wanting His people to be with Him. This is what God has revealed and this is what Scripture reveals. God has this desire to be with His family. And He therefore overcame the chasm that has kept humanity from being with Him. Humanity's sinfulness eliminated our access to be with God. However, God had a plan. God would choose the nation of Israel. And he would create a nation out of a nomad named Abraham who was barren and impossible to have a son. But he would make it possible because he had a plan. And the nation of Israel would be God's plan so God could be present with humanity to work his plan to redeem humanity. Through the nation of Israel, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would be coming to this earth and coming to this earth, and he would therefore be called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came into our world. Jesus is God present with us, and Jesus came to be with us, to restore humanity back to God by suffering, by dying to pay the debt of humanity's sin, and then coming back to life to give life to those who trust in him. God then saves us by living within us to make us his new humanity. This is the mystery of all scripture right there that God wants to come and save you, but not just save you and leave you. He wants to save you, transform you so he can live within you. This is the mystery. Paul would talk about this mystery that God with us, that the same God and the power of God is alive within us. See, here's the thing. God's spirit lives within those who trust in Jesus as Savior and confess him as Lord. When we trust in Jesus as Savior and confess Jesus as our Lord, God saves us not by our work, but through Christ Jesus' work. And it's through confession that we are made born again and we're given this new life. And it's the Holy Spirit that he gives us. When we put our trust in him, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit, at that moment we put our trust in him and confessing him as Lord, his Holy Spirit comes into us and the Holy Spirit transforms us. And at that moment makes us instantly into a new humanity. We are born again. We are part of the family of God. This is so powerful. This is God in you. See, God is in you when your faith is in Christ Jesus. This is so important to remember and to know that God is within you when you place your faith in Jesus and confess him as your Lord. See, church, 
The church cannot forget. The church cannot forget that God is within us through His Holy Spirit. We cannot forget this powerful truth. The problem is, is we go about our week. We go about our routines and our days and our busy schedules. And you know what we don't remember? Is we don't remember what God has done. And we don't remember who is present with us and within us. See, it's not just God is with you. God is within you. When we forget this powerful truth, I dare say that the power of God stops working in us and through us. This is why this is a foundational truth that we, the church, need to remember. And because of this, we need to remind ourselves who we are and what we need to do with what, who we are. And this is the power. See, this is the power of God. God's presence in you is the power of God to change you from the inside out. This is why this would be called the gospel. It's a good news. It's the power of God for salvation for all who believe that God is not just with you. God is living inside of you. This is the beautiful thing. See, it's the power of God to change you from the inside out. His presence within you is the power for you to die to your old humanity, and that is under, that which is uh, old humanity that it's under the control of the of the destructive attitudes, uh, under the destructive desires and habits. And His Holy Spirit now is in you, and it gives you the Holy Spirit gives you a power to overcome those destructive ha- attitudes, those destructive desires, and those destructive habits. This is God's power. This is the power of God, not just to change you but also to work through you to change the lives of others around you. This is what you need, by the way. This is what I need. This is what your marriage needs. This is what your family needs. This is what your friends need. This is what your workplace needs. This is what your neighborhood needs. This is what the city needs. The world needs God's spirit, working God's power in you, to change you, and the world needs God's power working through you. Jesus would elevate this truth that God is with us and tell us what we should do with this truth. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, he elevates this. And if you have your Bibles, turn there with me. Um, If not, it's in your notes. Matthew 18, verse 19. So Jesus is in his teaching. He's going through, and Matthew's recording a bunch of these things that he says. Maybe it's all in one setting. Maybe it's a, a, something that he said in a, in a series of time. But he gets to this verse in 19, and he says again. And when he says again, it, it's not to be connected to everything that's past. He's like, it's a way in the Greek language to say, um, I'm starting something over, and so I want you to think about what I'm about ready to say. So it, it's like a new topic of conversation. And then he says truly. And the reason I tell you this right now, because anytime we read Jesus saying truly, we need to lean in on this. We need to lean in. And here's a beautiful thing. See, Jesus says this to his disciples. Matthew writes them down for the first century church, but God through history has preserved this through the Holy Spirit's power because it's for you and I. And listen to this. Again, truly, I tell you. If Two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for. It will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Will you please circle these words in that? Will you circle the word two? 
It's actually there twice. <clears throat> Not only when Jesus um, says truly, or truly, truly, should we lean in, but whenever he repeats himself, and he says two twice here. <clears throat> uh, circle the word agree, that's important. Circle the word ask, that's important. And then I want you to circle the words gather in my name. Here, Jesus is talking about the power of prayer. More specifically, Jesus is giving you and I the confidence to pray because of one thing. He is with us. And he's giving us the confidence here uh, to pray because he's with us. And and, and, and he's telling us how we should pray. By gathering in Jesus' name with at least one other person, because that's where two comes into play, right? You and me and you. And then we're gathering in Jesus' name with at least one other person, agreeing together to ask God for anything. These are important because they are actions. These are the actions within our control. These are the behaviors within our control. God is in control of answering the prayer, but we are in control of these things, of gathering with one other person, agreeing together, asking in prayer and gathering in the name of Jesus. See, God is in control of what we cannot control. But this is within our control. Now, prayer is not something that the Western church of today is great at. We are just not great at praying. We say it's important, but the reality is our actions don't prove that prayer is important. We say intellectually we know God wants us to pray, but we don't do prayer. We don't, we don't pray. And, and, and you know, um, thank you, my friend. And we say prayer, but we, here's the thing, is we only pray alone. We, we pray alone. You know how I can know if prayer is important to you? I know prayer is important to you and in your life when you pray with someone else. I know that prayer is important in your life. Not just that you pray alone. I mean, Scripture teaches us to pray alone. I mean, Jesus says, hey, when you pray, go into your closet. But you know in the power of prayer when you pray with someone else. However, interestingly enough, prayer not only is the last resort that we do on our own. It's like after we've gone everywhere else and all the other solutions, oh, maybe we should pray. No, even atheists pray when there's nothing else. No other solutions. But isn't it interesting in the church that prayer is often the last resort that we even do together? However, when we read Matthew 18, prayer should be the first thing we do. Listen to Jesus' promise here. If two of you agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by our Father in heaven, for where two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, his name. He goes, I am with you. God is with you. We should be eager to pray. And we should be eager to pray with one another. However, I think when we're together, we're more eager to complain than we are to pray. You know, often when we complain, we're focused on our own agenda. I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting my way. I mean, it's my world that's falling apart here. But when Jesus said, gather in my name, 
The disciples understood that differently. It wasn't to gather, and the focus is then our own agendas, our own preferences, or to just be in an environment to air our grievances and vent, okay? I'm not saying venting's bad. But this is the point. When they gathered, it was in his name, and that meant under his authority and for his purpose. That's what in my name, for when we gather in his name, we're under his authority. We're under his name and we're gathered for his purpose. In other words, you are gathered in Jesus' name and when you're gathered in Jesus' name, you're gathered on his mission, not yours. And this is the promise then God gives when we gather in his name. See, look at this. When at least two of God's family are gathered on Jesus' mission and under his authority, God is with them. And this is a different with, even though, I mean, I, I think this is a different with than just, hey, God's with you when you're not together. And, and I know God is always present with me. He's omnis- omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. I know this. Um, he knows he, he's there with me. In my diff- yeah, he is there. He's with you. But this is different. I believe God's powerful presence is with the two who are gathered under his authority and on his mission. God is not powerfully present with us when we gather on our own mission. God is not powerfully present within us when we have our own agenda and we're not submitted to his authority. God is powerfully present when at least two when at least two gather under his authority and on his mission and we agree together. This is the type of gathering where God's power works. Two have to agree together. Unity. There is something powerful and sweet to God about unity. Unity and being together is so important to your Father in heaven. It's so important for His family to be in unity. This is a value of our church. We believe we are better together because we are better together when we are unified. God didn't call us to live individualized, separate lives. He called us to be unified. And when at least two of God's family agree in prayer about anything that fulfills Jesus' mission, God the Father will hear them and will do great things. See, our first reaction to this passage of Scripture, knowing this truth, that how God is with us, he's not just with us here, but when we're together, God is with us. His powerful presence is there. This is why our first reaction should, when, when, something, when, when we're in need or something goes wrong, our first reaction, who can I get together with? Who can I get together with to agree in prayer right now? Who can I call? Who can I get? Who can I meet for coffee? You know, here's the beautiful thing. This is why you should be here on Sunday. This is why having a, a rhythm in your life that Sunday's always present, a, a part of your, your weekly routine, or being in a group. This is why groups are so important. You have in your routine, a built-in routine, that when your need, time of need comes, or someone else's time of need comes, you have this regular rhythm in your week to be with someone that you can agree with in prayer. When we gather on Jesus' mission and we ask God, when we ask God for anything with hearts that are unified, God does. 
great things. This is the kind of church you want to be a part of. This is the kind of church that we all want. This is why we're here today, really. We, want, we believe God can do great things. This is the kind of family we are. We are God's family. And when we are God's family, we are on his mission. And we care for one another and we agree with one another in prayer, knowing that God can do anything we ask for when it's under his authority and on his purpose. See, God is eager. This is what I think Jesus is making clear to the disciples and to us. God is eager to see us gather together and he is eager to hear that we can, that he can work on our behalf. He is eager to hear that you believe that God can work on the other person's behalf. He is eager to hear this. He desires to hear you pray his plan and his purpose and seek his will and knowing that he can work on someone else's behalf. God is eager to see us believe in who he is. God desires that we join him on his mission and in his work. And the way that we join him is by first praying. That we join God's work in changing the spiritual landscape of our city by praying. And what do we do most of the time? We don't go to prayer first. We go to serving first. Not that that's bad. God, I want you to do something. I want you to do something in their life. And the last thing we do is we want to pray with them and for them, together with them. Maybe the reason we don't do it is because we don't believe who we are. Because we don't believe in who he is. The problem is that the church, God's own family, is not gathering together. And when we're together, we're not praying with one another. Know this. Know this, know this. God chooses to work through the prayers of his children. This is how God chooses to work. Through your prayers. And when you pray with him or her, God wants to work. In that, God works through his family who carries out his mission by gathering together to agree in prayer together. God chooses to work his plan through the prayers of his family. The power of God is at work when you and I pray together. Let that sink sink in. Don't ignore this church. And when two agree on anything they ask for, my father, Father Jesus, Jesus says, my father in heaven will do it for you. That when you're gathered, when two or three are gathered in his name, we share the power of Christ Jesus with one another when we gather in his name and we pray with one another. This is God's power at work. This is how we join God in his work to change people's lives. And I hope that this changes how some of you see prayer and how it, it, I pray it changes how something in you that you now see the importance of not just praying, but it's so, I mean, you, you need to pray and you need to pray on your own. Don't get me wrong, do this every day, many times a day, in every situation. But when we're together, this is a keystone habit. We need to pray with one another. We need to pray with one another. When a, when a need comes up, you hear about a need, hey, let me get, grab you, let me grab you, let's pray right now. Because this is where the power of God is at work. 
This is how we share Jesus with one another. We believe God is with us, and God wants to work powerfully within us and through this. However, for the power of Jesus to work, we must pray together. And this is why for the last almost a year now, a couple months we've been doing this almost for a year now, at the end of the teaching, we'll encourage you to pray with one another. And I know some of you introverts, you just like, oh my goodness, he's doing it again. And some of you extroverts, you're like, I can't wait for this, you know? It's my favorite part of the day is greeting one another and praying with one another. And depending, I, I, I know your personalities are different and our temperaments are different. But this has nothing to do about your temperament or mine. This has everything to do about we are God's family. We are God's family. And we believe something because of whose we are. And here's the teaching big idea. See, we are God's family, yes. And this is what it means. We are sharing Jesus by praying with one another. We are sharing Jesus. We are sharing the power of God. Not your power. My power is weak. And it's not in the words of your prayer. Your prayer has, your prayer, it's not in the eloquence of your prayer. It's in who you're talking to. Because, and, and then you agree together, knowing that his power is present with you. See, when we pray with one another, we share the power of Jesus with one another. And this is the one behavior, I believe, that unlocks the power of God in the local church. This is why we need to be loving Jesus by gathering together to love one another. And when we're gathering together, we are navigating scripture to follow Jesus together. And that gives us the fruit and the the fuel and the words to pray because it's his will. And we know that it's his mission and his purpose. We know it. And when we're in those situations there, I don't know what to pray for. And that's often why I pray scripture in most of these situations that I don't know what to pray for. And it's not my prayer. My prayer could be one thing and God works a miracle in a different way. And it's not even close to what I pray for. But it's the power of two agreeing. Being unified in prayer. We are God's family on mission together. Loving Jesus by gathering together to love one another. Becoming like Jesus by navigating scripture to follow Jesus together. And we're sharing Jesus by praying with one another. We believe this. And it's amazing to read how the New Testament church believed this too. If you look through the book of Acts. In fact, we looked at this passage last week. In fact, uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 42 we looked at this in the last couple of weeks. The church, they devoted themselves. Look at that word devoted, it's important. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That's what this is, the koinia, the sharing, the common gathering. This is this fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now let me just pause right there for a second. You know what the breaking of bread was? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago in loving Jesus because when breaking of bread, that's a resemblance of communion. They broke the bread together regularly. Not just to remember... God, how God demonstrated his love by sending Jesus to die in the way he suffered and died. We break bread together to remind ourselves how we are to love one another. So we are devoted to loving Jesus by gathering together in the fellowship to love one another, which is what the end result of remembering breaking bread is all about. And they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. We are devoted to navigating the scripture Why? Because it leads us to follow Jesus. He is the center of what it's all about. And we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to do this in community. And they were devoted to prayer. 
Now look what happens. Look what, that's what was in their control, their devotion. But look what God does. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The first century church devoted to the same things that our mission and being a disciple is all about a devotion to. And when we share these habits, look what God does. See, we must be devoted to praying together to share Jesus. We must be devoted. And Luke then would continue to write about the wonders. I mean, these amazing wonders and all from a people who were praying together. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are walking into the temple courts and they get to the gate called Beautiful and there's a lame man there begging. And Peter goes to John, you got money? John goes to Peter, no, I got, I got no money. You got money? He's like, no, I don't have any money. Jesus didn't send us with any money. Looks at him. Peter says, silver or gold have I, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. You know what that last line was? That was a prayer. In agreement. He and John. Peter and John. Agreeing together. In my name. God works. He's eager. Then we read in Acts 4 that the disciples pray because of all the threats that are against them. In Acts chapter 4. Now, if there were threats against us, and I hate to say it, the American church showed our um, immaturity spiritually that when, whenever we, we feel like... Never mind, I'm not going to say this. Um, I'm going to have patience and, and wisdom right now. But we easily complain. When the church in the first century was under the threat of their life, and I'm not just talking the government was making it hard. James, in a couple chapters, the brother of John, is about ready to be killed. You're going to read this if you continue to look at that. That's how dangerous this was for them to follow Christ. Their faith meant their life was on the line. And when they got together, they prayed together. But they didn't pray for relief. When they heard this, They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, together, agreeing together, listen to this. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to get them. No. That's what I wanted to say. That's the way the American church has prayed this, right? Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, you have a mission. Your church, your family knows that mission. Restore. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And then look at this, verse 32. All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Are you serious? I mean, this is the very reason they were being persecuted. They were like, no. 
This is the reason the church exists to exalt the resurrected Lord Jesus who is over all and in all things exist through him and in him and new life is in him. This is the gospel for the world. This is why we need the boldness to pray. With great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace. Underline this, underline this, underline this. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. You want to know how it worked in them? That there were no needy persons among them. From, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. You know what? I believe it was their devotion to prayer and praying with one another that they had no needs among them. Because if I pray for you and I pray for your need and I have the means to meet that need, what does the Holy Spirit likely do in my heart? And I can tell you time and time again, he's done this. He's led me to meet that need with what I have. And maybe this is the reason we don't pray with other people because it's going to cost us something. They had no needs among them. See, God's grace powerfully works within us and through us when we are devoted to praying together. And this is what we've been asking you to do at the end of every teaching. And this is what I'm about ready to ask you to do. But I hope you have a different motivation today. I hope that you have a different understanding today. And I hope that you have a different passion and faith. That it's not necessarily in how you pray. God's not looking for the most eloquent of prayers. He's looking for two to agree under Jesus' authority on his purpose and plan to see God who is eager to work, to work whatever he wants to do in that situation. See, I'm not ashamed of asking you to do this because I believe in the power of this. The question is, do you believe that God's power works when we pray together? Do you truly believe this? I could go on and on in the scripture and tell you and try to convince you. When, when, you know that it was through prayer that Paul, who was named Saul, he, he, I had this other name Saul in the, in the, in the Greek world, and um, well, he was Saul to the, the Jews, but Paul to the Greeks. It was through prayer that Ananias spoke to, that, that Ananias spoke to Saul and Saul was converted became a Christ follower. It was through prayer that Paul and, uh, that Paul and, 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 and uh, Silas are in prison and the people are outside in a different room, not even close, and they're praying for Paul and Silas. They're agreeing together, and all of a sudden, the prison shakes, and they are released from prison, and they lead everyone in that prison to the Lord. But you go, Casey, I don't know what to pray. I, I want to pray, but I don't know what to pray. I just want to show you this right here. Um... There, there's a list that we've given you. And this is how we can pray. You may not know how to pray. And, and when you ask, we're going to ask you to sh- share uh, how someone can pray for you today. You're going to ask, talk to somebody about this. And you're just going to say, this is how you can pray. Um, this is my need. Or this is what I'm going through. Or this is a relationship that is uh, that I'm praying for. Or, this is someone who's lost in my life. Or this is a financial, whatever the case may be, your health, financially, relationally, any, anything. You may not know how to pray. 
Can I tell you, you don't go wrong praying scripture. You never go wrong praying scripture. And here's a list of things that I just encourage you to pray. Pray for God's kingdom to come. We just did a series where we talked about God's unshakable kingdom, his righteousness in us and through us, his peace in us and through us, and his joy. You know, in almost every situation when I pray with somebody, I can pray one of those things because it's the kingdom of God. Pray for his will to be done. God, we have our own agenda today. And there's a way that we like it to work out, but we trust in your plan. Pray for God to meet your daily need. Pray for God to meet their daily need. They may need a job, but, but pray for God to meet their daily need tomorrow. Pray for God's healing. Pray for God to give people the grace to forgive one another. Maybe that's what the relationship needs. Pray for God to give us the power to say no to temptation when it comes. Pray for God to save. And if you don't know, pray for everything. Why? Because God is with us. He's with us. Listen to how the Apostle Paul would end this letter to the church in Philippi. By the way, he's in prison. And months, we don't know if it's months or a year or two before he would go and he would lose his life for his faith. But while he's in this prison, he's writing to a church. He says, rejoice. Oh my goodness, there's great joy when we know in the middle of our need that God is with us. Rejoice in the Lord always. He goes, I got to say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then look at this. The Lord is near. If you gather in my name, I'm with you. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In his name. Church. We share Jesus by praying with one another. And that's what I want to ask you to do right now. Will you stand with me? I want you to find one or two people, two to three people, okay? Two to three people in groups of two to three because we don't want anybody to be ignored. Now, if you're like, hey, I definitely don't want this. This is weird. We understand that. Just say not today. We'll, we'll respect that. But introverts, I want you to show up, okay? Extroverts, you lead the way. You go first. And this is what I want you to do. So this is how I want you to do. They're going to put up that list right now. And this is what I want you to ask. How can I pray for you? Will you ask that? Ask that question, how can I pray for you? And then I want you to agree in prayer. Gentlemen, will you throw that list up, that how can I pray for you list? Yeah. And this is how, just pray one of these things. It's on your notes. Do this right now. Online, we encourage you to do this with those in the chat right now. For those of you, take a step of courage. Share Jesus. And we're going to come in a minute and regain.